Good morning, everybody. So our Habakkuk reading today is from chapter 3, verses 1 to 19, which you can find on page 807. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigionoth. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timan, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow, you called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful and God my saviour. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. For the director of music on my stringed instruments. Well, good morning and welcome to Mossman Village Church. My name is Max Brewer and I am one of the two student ministers here at Mossman Village Church. And it is always an honour to get to open God's word with you. So let us pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us through your word. Amen. Amen. Well, before Bible college, I went to university. I earned my degree in business and technology. And then after uni, I went and worked at ComBank, working on their website and their mobile app. Well, in the last 12 months of my time at ComBank, I was in a team with a man named Amir. Amir was a self-professing nominal Muslim. 
On an intellectual level, Amir believed that there was a God, perhaps Allah, or perhaps some other power, and he fasted at Ramadan. But that was it. Well, at work, as a bare minimum, I wanted people to know that I am a Christian. The best evangelism in the workplace starts with people knowing that you're a Christian. Uh, And so in my team, it was no secret that I was a Christian and that I went to church on Sundays. I was very open uh, to talking to people about life and faith. And so one day, at the end of the day, as we were packing up our things to head home, Amir turned to me and tells me that one of his close friends has recently been diagnosed with cancer. And it's bad. I remember him telling me that his friend had no more than six months to live. And so Amir asked me to pray for his friend. I said I would pray. And in fact, we actually ended up praying together there in the middle of our open plan office block, praying to God that he would bring peace and comfort and perhaps even restoration to Amir's friend in Jesus' name. After we prayed, Amir said, actually, my friend is a Christian. And when I talk to him, he doesn't seem particularly scared or worried, even though he's going to die. And so Amir asked me, why is my friend so okay with his diagnosis? Because you see, Amir's Christian friend, our brother, had the kind of peace that comes only from God and which surpasses all understanding. Even in the middle of the madness, his friend had hope. And so Amir's question was simple. How? Well, today we're going to be looking at exactly that, cultivating hope in the midst of ruin. If you've been away or are new with us this morning, we're in week three of our three-part series, Wrestling with God. And through the prophetic words of Habakkuk, we've been taking the time to ask some of those difficult questions of evil, suffering, and judgment. Two weeks ago, we kicked off the series and introduced the book of Habakkuk by way of context, and we saw that we've had the exodus up to this point. Moses has parted the Red Sea. God has led his people out of Egypt. They've entered into the promised land. God has raised up for them all sorts of leaders, including King David and his son, King Solomon. They die, and there is a consistent decline as the people of God reject God and turn away from him. And then the kingdom, it splits in two, and you have Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And in an act of divine judgment, God sends the Assyrians to invade the north and carry them off to exile around 722 BC. And in the south, the kingdom of Judah does better, but not forever. And it's here that we find Habakkuk prophesying from Judah, surrounded by his people and society that have turned their backs on God and at the same time feeling that threat from Babylon. Well, 
what happens to Habakkuk between the start of chapter 1 and the end of chapter 3. Because as the book opens, Habakkuk cries out in complaint. He says, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not answer me. But something happens between there and here, because at the end of chapter 3, he can say, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. His situation hasn't changed. But somehow, in the midst of the same chaos, Habakkuk has been able to cultivate hope. So what's the secret? Well, I'd love, you to, I'd love to invite you to have your Bible open in front of you as we look together at Habakkuk chapter 3. I like using a physical Bible, uh, which you can find at the end of every row or pew. Or if you prefer to have the passage on your phone, you can scan the QR code and follow along that way. So in the midst of ruin, how does Habakkuk cultivate hope? Well, first... Habakkuk remembers what God has done. Take a look with me from verse 2. He says this, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. When Habakkuk cries out to God in chapter 1, God replied and said, Look, chapter 1, verse 5, God said, look at the nations and watch. And so Habakkuk has looked, and as he looks, he stands in awe. Lord, I have heard of your fame, he says. I stand in awe of your deeds. And really, what follows in verses 3 to 15 is a record of what Habakkuk has seen as he looks back and remembers what God has done in the past. But verse 2 continues, Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. As Habakkuk remembers what God has done, he prays first that God would do the same today and that God would make his salvation known in his time. Unless God opens the eyes of our neighbours, they will never see. And so we should pray with Habakkuk that God would make his salvation known to the people of Mossman, to the people of Sydney, that we might be a church that truly knows Jesus and makes him known. Habakkuk's prayer is a prayer of divine revelation saying, God, open the eyes of the blind. Let them see. In our time, make your salvation known. But Habakkuk continues in verse 3 as he looks back and as he recalls what God has done. Take a look at it with me. It says this. God came, came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Timan is associated with a place just south of the promised land and Mount Paran is the area of Mount Sinai. 
Deuteronomy 33 verse 2 connects Mount Paran with Mount Sinai, saying the Lord came from Sinai. He shone forth from Mount Paran. Back to Habakkuk, and he continues in verse 5, plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. This time we get images of God's plagues in Egypt as he frees his people from slavery. And so what Habakkuk is remembering here is the Exodus. The plagues of Egypt, their time at Mount Sinai when God gave them the law, and then God coming up from Sinai, coming up from the south and leading his people into the promised land. For God's Old Testament people, this was the defining moment of God's salvation. And so in cultivating hope, Habakkuk remembers what God has done. And this kind of remembering gave Habakkuk hope because it also reminds him of who God is. Take a look at verse 6. Describing God, Habakkuk writes, He stood and shook the earth. God looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. What an incredible picture of the power of God. With just a glance, the nations tremble. God simply stands and the earth shakes. Those ancient mountains and the age-old hills are a kind of symbol of longevity and steadfastness. But even they will crumble and collapse one day. But God, he marches on. Forever alive, forever active. Other mountains might look solid, but they will crumble eventually. Even the most impressive companies, they collapse. The most impressive empires, they fall. But not God. He marches on forever. And so if God will not crumble, and if God will not collapse, and if he looks at you and calls you his own, then how secure does that make you and me? In verse 13, Habakkuk praises God. He says, You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. And with his own spear, you pierced his head. Habakkuk looks back and remembers that God is a God of deliverance. And if he's done it before, he can do it again. Now, if I hold my hands like this, what comes to mind? Have you some audience participation? What comes to mind? Industry super super funds. That's right. Not the only kind of super fund, but a popular choice amongst Aussies, so I'm led to believe, and clearly one with effective marketing. Well, at the end of an ad for a super fund or at the bottom in the fine print, you'll find these words. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. And why is that? Well, it's because the companies that your super is invested into change. 
Their leadership changes. Their strategy changes. The market, it changes. And so past performance indeed does not guarantee future performance. But not so with God. Because God doesn't change. And so with God, past performance does guarantee future performance. Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. And so as Habakkuk looks back and remembers what God has done, he can find genuine reason to hope. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when you're looking for hope in the midst of ruin, look back. Look back and remember what God has done. For Habakkuk, his survey of God's salvation took him to Exodus. But for us, we know that God's salvation doesn't peak at the Exodus, but at the cross and at the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In verse 3, Habakkuk remembers God came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran, His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. But for us, as we look to Jesus and we remember him, we remember Jesus who came from Bethlehem, the Holy One from Nazareth. Truly, his glory covers the heavens and his praises fill the earth. In verse 4, Habakkuk recalls God's splendor like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hands where his power was hidden. Even when God's power was hidden, there was so much splendor and glory and reason for hope. But with Jesus, how much more splendor and glory and reason to hope can we find? About Jesus, John 1 tells us that no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God, has made him known. What was hidden has been made known now in Jesus. And so if Habakkuk had reason to hope as he remembered what God has done, then even more so for us as we look back to Jesus. And so if you find yourself in the midst of ruin If you find yourself in that place like Habakkuk, then remember what God has done, just like Habakkuk. Look back, because unlike our super funds, God's past performance guarantees future victory. But it doesn't always feel like that. Cultivating hope in the middle of madness can be hard. I think about the persistent, ongoing trials of life, perhaps like the friend of my workmate, Amir, when his cancer didn't see a cure this side of the grave. Or the grief from the loss of a husband or wife that is not easily shaken. Or even the breakdown of a relationship, a friendship, a breakdown that continues to sting. Having remembered God's victories, Habakkuk tells us in verse 16, I heard and my heart pounded. 
My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. And I love the honesty of his response here. Because having recalled these grand events, as God liberated his people and brought salvation, his rejoicing of verses 3 and 4 is mixed with trembling. He says, my heart pounded, my lips quivered, and my legs trembled. And what a relief that when we stand in the middle of trials, even as we bring our situation to God, even as we bring to mind God's victory of salvation, it's okay to quiver, to tremble, for our hearts to pound, at least for a little while, because as we cultivate hope, there is room for questions. Take a look back at verse 8. Habakkuk says this, Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? In the midst of ruin, there is room for questions. Even in the middle of this prayer, which, as we will see, ends in this incredible high of praise, Habakkuk still has questions. With the Babylonians on the horizon and with his nation and society and culture turning further and further away from God, Habakkuk still has questions about how this justice and judgment thing will play out. But in the face of your questions, in the face of your doubts, you can praise God. We normally think about questions and doubts as a barrier to relationship with God, something that separates us. But questions aren't a barrier to faith. Questions give rise to faith. Because if we had all the answers, it wouldn't be faith. You see, Habakkuk has questions, but he knows the one who has the answers. And so Habakkuk doesn't need to know the answers, and that's faith. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so maybe in our trials and struggles, we shouldn't always pray, God, give me the eyes to see, but God, give me faith when I do not see and when I do not understand. Faith to trust, not just eyes to see. So we can cultivate hope by remembering what God has done and with room for questions. I love that. But finally, we can cultivate hope by finding our strength, not from within, but from our Father in heaven, strength in God. Take a look with me from verse 17 there in your Bibles. It says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. On one level, these two verses are just beautiful and poetic. They have a, a nice ring to them. Though the fig tree does not bud 
and there are no grapes on the vine, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Beautiful. But really, it's a picture of total desolation. Utter devastation here. For an agricultural society like Israel or Judah, this is a picture of despair. Though Wall Street crashes and the housing bubble pops, though the Aussie dollar plummets and your assets are all written off, and yet, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. How? Well, in verse 19, Habakkuk continues, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to tread on the heights. Our culture and society preaches self-reliance. It tells us, find strength within yourself. But God's word tells us to find strength in God. It's not strength from within, but it's strength from above. He makes my feet. He enables me to tread. Habakkuk hasn't gone on a Disney journey of self-discovery. He's reminded himself of what God has done. He's seen God's deliverance. He's seen God's character. And he's decided, that's where I'm putting my strength. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Well, if I can share one final thought to conclude on, can I say that, and double down on that point, that it's not like Habakkuk is praising God because the things that he's going through aren't really that bad. They're actually okay, and he's sort of just fine. This is a picture of complete devastation. It's real hurt, real devastation, real loss that Habakkuk prays in the midst of, I will rejoice in the Lord. Habakkuk can only pray that because he's looked and remembered what God has done. And he knows that God can do it again. He's alive. He's Active, He can turn it around for good. Even the worst situation, God can turn around for good. Romans 8.28, I love this verse. Paul says, and we know that in all things, even the worst things, God works for the good of those who love him. That's the confidence that Habakkuk has because he's looked back and he's remembered. And that's the kind of confidence that the Apostle Paul has as he's writing these words, because he's looked back and he's remembered not God's deliverance of his people out of slavery to Egypt, but of God's deliverance of his people out of slavery to sin and death. Not just the parting of the Red Sea, but the tearing of the curtain in the temple. So that in Jesus, there is now nothing that stands between us and God. And so as we look back to the cross, as we look back to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can look out at the world around us and we can look out at the chaos around us, not with desperation and fear, 
but with hope. Because the God who delivered Jesus from the jaws of death is still on the move. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but God marches on forever. Let's pray. Lord God, in the midst of ruin, cultivate in us the kind of hope that only comes from you. Remind us of your saving works. Remind us of the cross. And forever let us find our strength in you. Give us faith when we do not see and when we do not understand. Father, give us faith to trust, not just eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.